Light a campfire, and everyone's a storyteller. Join us for some thought-provoking and beyond fireside chats. Hello, and welcome to Leave Our World a Better Place. My name is Kasha, and in today's episode, I'm chatting to Simon Naylor, Conservation Manager at and Beyond Pinder Private Game Reserve. Simon was part of the team that recently managed the translocation of 30 white rhino from and Beyond Pinda in South Africa to Akagere National Park in Rwanda. The project was carried out through collaboration between the Rwanda Development Board, African Parks, and and Beyond, with funding provided by the Howard G. Buffett Foundation. Simon will be telling us a little bit about the need for this translocation, as well as the challenges and successes encountered during the move. Simon, the recent move of 30 rhino from South Africa to Rwanda was the biggest single rhino translocation of all time. Why was it done and what are the aims of the project? No other translocation is, has been as, as large as this. I think the, the next largest in one sort of move was from 18 or 19. So this is definitely the largest translocation ever done of, of both species or any species of rhino. Akagera National Park in Rwanda, which is jointly run and managed by African Parks and the Rwanda Development Board, had a plan to to introduce white rhino into the park there. Mm-hmm. The decision to introduce those white rhinos was made by them and uh, the government of Rwanda. And obviously they approached uh, and beyond for assistance in terms of you know, supporting the translocation as well as providing the rhinos. So, so the decision mm. was basically not ours or and beyonds, but but we are supporting their their decision to introduce rhinos there. And I guess from and beyond side, we support the move just because it's aligned with our long term vision of of protecting white rhino, mm. creating new uh, habitats and new range, is uh, is something that and beyond's been doing for a while now especially uh, with our history of, of moving rhinos from Pinda specifically to other parts of South Africa and, and obviously other countries like Botswana, Mozambique, uh, Swaziland, etc. So that's the rationale. Is It's a way of protecting the species mm, and the creation of a new habitat or a new home for these animals that is secure and, and safe, I think is a, is a good decision and one that was made with our support. They looked for rhinos in other places, Kenya, uh, Uganda, and uh, Tanzania, where there are white rhinos currently, and none of those places could give Rwanda rhinos, uh, either because they didn't want to or they didn't have enough. Mm. Ideally, the northern white rhino, which is a subspecies of white rhino, ours are the southern white rhino, would have been probably better suited. But as we all know, that subspecies is is literally extinct. I mean, there's mm-hmm. two animals left of which one cannot breed anymore. So as a subspecies, it's functionally extinct. So the next best choice is southern white rhino. And mm-hmm. South Africa is obviously home to the most white rhino left in Africa. As and beyond Pinda, we had enough rhinos to give. And so we donated pretty much all the rhinos that uh, have gone to mm-hmm. Rwanda. This must have been an incredibly complicated process, especially when you're dealing with animals the size of rhino, as well as with the complex processes of getting them across borders and over such a large distance. Tell us about some of the challenges that came with a wildlife translocation of this size and how you prepared for them. And the challenges, yeah, moving so many rhinos is, mm, is huge. I can imagine. Obviously, the, the, the biggest challenge is moving them the distance that we did. In that way, you have to coordinate a lot of people and a lot of uh, logistics. 
vehicles, trucks, vets, airplanes. We're crossing international borders. Mm. So a lot of people were involved in the planning and making sure that pretty much the translocation went as, as smoothly as possible and making sure that every sort of possible glitch could be ironed out. So so planning was, was really, really important. Some of the biggest challenges were were the, the weather. You know, temperatures at this time of year are, are very high or can be very high mostly. Moving rhinos and darting rhinos in high temperatures is is not good for them. There's a lot of risks involved. And, mm-hmm. and then secondly, the, the distance, you know, the, the distance and the time, you know, it's not good for rhinos to be spending long periods in a small confined crate. Mm-hmm. So that was also a challenge, but the crates were made as large as possible. We gave them food along the way. So so the for the process, they were Burma trained. And so they were in the best possible condition. They were sort of given artificial feed and pellets to fatten them up and, and make sure that they're healthy for the long journey. Mm-hmm. Having them in Burmas as well before the long journey, we provided them with water. So, so all of them drank before undertaking the journey. They weren't given water during the journey because you can't give them water. So all of them were very hydrated. So dehydration is an issue because, you know, they're not going to drink for so long. They need water every day. So we made sure that we traveled at night mm-hmm. mostly for not only security reasons, but but also to, so that the temperatures were cool. The aircraft is is air conditioned. We, we, we made sure that the aircraft, the, the, the temperature in the aircraft was, was at, at its optimal and then COVID is a is a big factor as well. We're traveling in a pandemic, and and as fate would have it, the day that we left, the news broke that the new strain of COVID coming out of South Africa mm-hmm. or discovered in South Africa, and uh, we were the last aircraft into into Rwanda on Saturday evening. So that was a big challenge. Uh, COVID. All our team members had to sort of isolate a week before, and make sure that our contact mm-hmm. socially was limited because we could only do the, the tests sort of two days before travel, our team was already, you know, identified. And, you know, if we had suddenly a lot of people testing positive for COVID, they couldn't travel with the aircraft or travel with the convoy. And um, that could have been a disaster. Mm-hmm. In total, we had a lot of, we accumulated probably the best team to make the move. We had four vets accompanying the rhinos uh, at the loading and two vets on the aircraft. And then we even put in place a team on the Rwandan side who quarantined, including two vets from the UK who came in and waited in Rwanda uh, days before just to ensure that if there were any hassles on our side or we got stopped for any reason, at least there was uh, expertise on that side to take over. So so literally every every precaution was, was taken into account just to minimize uh, risk to the animals and also the, the, the members of the team. Uh, the sedation, the rhinos were fully awake. However, they were sedated for the journey. They were given long-acting tranquilizers and sedatives. And if any rhino was mm-hmm. stressed in any way along the journey, we had two vets uh, at all times, two vets with the rhinos just to keep an eye on them. And the team that traveled is also very experienced. I mean, they've probably moved in in total thousands of rhinos 
and have more than a hundred years of experience. So, wow. so even with the two vets at all times, we had a, a, an experienced team traveling with the rhinos, making sure their welfare was taken care of the whole time. That's pretty much it. You know, the the the, the planning and the logistics took uh, years in advance, and obviously all the paperwork and every every single contingency was planned for, mm-hmm. just to avoid any curveballs, uh, which we did have as well. We had a delay in the plane for six hours, which was unavoidable and. Yeah, the the 40 hours was sort of the total journey time. We've done longer trips before with rhinos. Obviously, ideally, we want to shorten that. And I think with the experience now of moving so many rhinos again to Rwanda, we can definitely cut that time. But all rhinos were offloaded safely and healthily on that side, and and they're doing well. Mm -hmm. Where did the rhino come from and how were they selected? Yeah, so the, the rhinos all came from and beyond Pinda Private Game Reserve in Zululand. We have quite a large population and all 30 were sourced from, from Pinda. Every rhino was identified carefully and, and we only selected uh, the sort of the, the best animals for the for the translocation, healthy young animals. Mm-hmm. And also the mix of ages and sexes was sort of planned beforehand. Of not only to, to be the best sort of animals for, for the introduction there in, in Akagera, so in other words, territorial bulls, females. We sent a total of 11 males and 19 females, which is a very good founder population. You know, it's good to have yes. more females than males. That's to, to increase the uh, the growth rate in the future. Hopefully so. But the ages of the animals were mostly young. We did send five adult cows and, and calves. And then the balance, the rest was sort of younger animals with a couple of older bulls for breeding. The aircraft could only sort of take a certain number. And we know we chose the the sort of size animals according to what we could fit in the aircraft and maximize the space. So Mm. we did see that we could possibly take another four if we had to do it again we could probably add another four animals to the load which we might do in the future but but yeah all all animals were sourced from Pinda Private Game Reserve in Zululand. Simon what was done to determine whether Alcagera is a suitable habitat for the rhino and how do you expect them to adapt to their new home? Yeah, so white rhinos adapt very well to new conditions as long as they are in good condition, which they were. They were all very healthy. In fact, all of them had put on weight because we weighed them at uh, capture before the bomarine and quarantining at Pinda. We weighed them again on loading before the journey. All of them had put on weight. Very detailed feasibility studies were done in Akagera National Park. An ecological study was done to check the suitability of the habitat for white rhino. And that was done by grass and rhino experts. So it's always important to to do the suitability assessments and feasibility assessments before you sort of undertake such a project because you don't want to take white rhino there and, and then find out that the grasses are not suitable or they can't carry 30 rhinos. Um, so that was all done beforehand. And the animals themselves adapt really well. Can you explain a little bit about how the release process works? The timing was chosen specifically so that they arrived after the first rains uh, in Rwanda, which is exactly what happened. So when we arrived, the grass was was green and short and fresh. And the animals, when they were released into the uh, release camps, started feeding immediately. Mm -hmm. And so the timing is very important. And then obviously the introduction and release process is, is really, really important as well. So all of them have been released into two hectare camps. There's three camps in total, so each will carry 10. 
And that's exactly what we did for the quarantine period before the translocation. And we even put the same animals into the same camps on introduction as well mm-hmm. because they've already developed bonds and know each other. So mm-hmm. the release process is, is what we call a soft release. So from the crates, they were put into these camps with water and, and good grazing. They were chosen with shade as well. Um and they will spend about four or five days in those release camps, two hectare camps. The team have then sort of erected a, a larger camp uh, that's electrified into the the greater reserve. And so after about four days, they will be released into those sort of larger electrified camps and monitored for any stress-related or translocation injuries or illness. Mm-hmm. But on release, there was no such signs. But they will be in there for a for an indefinite period of time to be determined by, you know, how they're doing. At each each location, there's a vet. There's, so there's two vets present now keeping an eye on those, those animals for any injuries or anything that they suspect might be wrong so that they can attend to them. So, yeah, again, every precaution and, and very detailed planning has gone into the release. I can imagine. All rhinos have been fitted with tracking and monitoring devices. Some of them are in the horn itself drilled into the horn and then others that have no horn have got a sort of a, a, a tracking pod that's been glued onto the back horn and that's to ensure that there's there's at least 12 months of uh, intensive monitoring of each rhino so that they can just make sure that they've settled into their new home wow. that there's uh, they can attend to any issues uh, with any individual fantastic yeah so rhinos tend to adapt very well but obviously they've got to be monitored carefully there's got to be good food good shade good water there might be some other issues that crop up, you know, because it's a it's a new environment, but it's it's not dissimilar or, or so different to where they've originated from. So we don't expect any issues post release. The adaptation should be should be good because it will be closely closely monitored. Mm. Thank you for chatting to us, Simon. We hope that the rhinos continue to thrive and do well in Akagera. Thank you for listening to Leave Our World a Better Place. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you never miss an episode. If you'd like to find out more about And Beyond, please log on to our website at andbeyond.com.